Hello, and welcome to Undisciplined Live. My name is Matthew Moore. I am the producer of Undisciplined, and we are here at our very first live event here at Into View Gallery and Studios in Rogers, Arkansas, and I'm going to introduce our panel, and we'll jump right into it. So we have with us Keith Kidd, owner of KDK Kitchen and Waffles. We have Nate Walls, owner of Secondhand Smoke Barbecue. We have Kenya Christian, owner of Into View Gallery and Studio. We have Osis David, owner of Tropical Markets. And moderating our panel tonight, we have host of Ozarks at Large, Kyle Kellums. And a host of Undisciplined, Karee Banton. Now, uh, Jay-Z's most axiomatic lyrics, I'm not a businessman, I'm a business man, is indeed the index of the evolution of African diasporic peoples, reduced to chattel commodities that were the lifeblood of capitalist America, to businesses, to becoming businesses such as Rock Nation that Jay-Z referenced in his lyrics, is indeed a wonderful feat. But the history of black people in business long predates our current time, where everyone seems enthralled with what we say in the black community, securing the bag. From their times in Africa, black people had been engaged in businesses such as trading cola nuts, salt, gold, ivory, traversing the continent, traversing the Sahara into the Middle East, the Indian Ocean, and the Mediterranean. The great Mansa Musa, everyone can cite, of the Mali Empire had worked in expanding trade that made Mali the wealthiest kingdom in Africa. And when he went on his Hajj to Mecca in 1324, traveling with an enormous entourage and brought, uh, which brought an influx of gold into Cairo, Mecca and Medina, he created the biggest hyperinflation of the 1320s. By the time Africans came across the Atlantic, they were already steeped in a culture of business, exchange, and making money. As the enslaved, they, they grew crops in their provision grounds, took it to market, sold it, made money. Enslaved had businesses ranging from shoemakers, barbers, musicians. You ever heard of Blind Tom, a sightless African-American born into slavery? Probably he was aut um, autistic but was one of the greatest music stars in Civil War era America. Entrepreneurship in the black community experienced ebbs and flows for sure. The Reconstruction era, the period after the Civil War, saw a sharp rise in the number of black-owned businesses as the country attempted to right some of its wrongs of slavery. Black people entered businesses such as undertaking, insurance, banking, Black Americans would spend numerous years, indeed a very long time after slavery, buying land, starting businesses, and creating generational wealth. By the late 19th and early 20th century, the resurgence of Jim Crow laws enforcing racial segregation, coupled with the Great Depression, led to the decline of black entrepreneurship. Black businesses were targeted, and we saw a rollback in many of the advancements that were made previously that according to 
Tiffany Howard, a small business uh, and entrepreneurship fellow at the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation. Madam C.J. Walker, who we all know, Emerge, formerly known as Sarah Breedlove, she confessed to being elbow deep in lye soap when a big black man appeared to her in a dream and told her what to mix for her hair. And there she started a business um, um, stringing together all that talent and all that knowledge that would bring black hair business into, into power in, that, in, the, in those days. Businessmen like Ottawa Gurley and others who would build the much storied Black Wall Street would come into being at the turn of the 20th century. Gurley himself, an educator and entrepreneur and landowner, was born to formerly enslaved Africans. In 1889, after resigning from a position in the Grover Cleveland administration, he moved from his home state in Arkansas, right here in Arkansas, to Oklahoma in order to participate in the land grab. And upon relocating to Tulsa, seized economic opportunities that resulted from the city's uh, cultural boom. He purchased 40 acres of land and would build a grocery store. Black-owned businesses like C.J. Walker's, uh, Madam C.J. Walker's hair care line and businesses in Tulsa on the Black Wall Street developed as a direct response to the kinds of discrimination that they experienced, the kinds of segregation patterns that had created market opportunities for these black entrepreneurs to make money um, and to meet the demands of the black community. Um, authors such as Mercer Bahardan writes about the color of money, black bands, and the racial wealth gap. And she talks about the opportunities and the high job instability that many of these black pioneers um, that took matters into their own hand, building small enterprises and then serving fellow African-Americans had to encounter. Another much storied enterprise, the People's Grocery, that was opened in 1889 as a cooperative venture run along uh, corporate lines by 11 prominent African-Americans, including Thomas Moss, who was a friend of the anti-lynching advocate Ida B. Wells. The store located just outside of Memphis in a neighborhood called The Curve would become a site of much black business ownership. In Ida, a sword among lions, the historian Paula Giddens explained that Moss was known as a family man as many African-American business people are. He delivered mail by day and ran his people's grocery store by night. But neither his social nor economic status saved him from the racial hostilities of the South. When Moss grocery store opened, Memphis emerged as the fifth largest grocery market in the country. And as a result, his business was an instant success. The grocery not only brought in capital to black Memphians in the community, but also a sense of pride. But not all Memphians saw the people's grocery this way. William Barrett, a white grocer whose store had served the community before the black grocery arrived, felt threatened by his store. After the Civil War, racial tensions in the South remained high. As black people began to rid themselves of debt, white Southerners turned to racial violence, targeting blacks who they perceived as having too much ambition, property, talent, and wealth. According to the historian jo Joel Williamson, the majority of victims 
um, were lynched for the social crime of being economic competitors to whites. Often, these lynchings were justified under the claims that the victims had either sexually assaulted white women or committed an unspecified barbaric act against whites. From 1900 to 1930, this was known as the golden age of black-owned businesses. Because Jim Crow laws forced African Americans to form more insulated communities separate from whites, it led to this boom in entrepreneurship. All across the country, in urban areas where the majority of black people live, small businesses were popping up, prospering all over the place. Such that, in this period in 1900, Booker T. Washington would found the Negro League, Negro, National Negro Business League. The league supported black entrepreneurs and helped them to grow and start their businesses. And soon after, 600 chapters were established across the U.S. In nearly every single U.S. city, racists used the government, um, redlining and eminent domain to steal wealth created by black businesses. We know this now as systemic racism. Even worse later on, the drug war would start after all this wealth had been stolen and alternative modes of business would be created. So when these black people decided to make ends meet or use drug after falling into a state of poverty-related depression, the government found a way to put them in prison for decades. Michelle Alexander, who is the author of The New Jim Crow, Mass Incarceration in the Age of Colorblindness, noted in a public conversation in recent times, here we have white men poised to run big marijuana businesses, dreaming in of cashing in big, big money, big businesses selling weed after 40 years of impoverished black kids getting prison time for selling weed and their families and futures destroyed. No white men are planning to get rich doing precisely the same thing. Black-owned businesses are everywhere now, but perhaps remain a little bit invisible, and that's why we're here today. Beyond the Oprahs, the Kanye's, the Robert Johnsons, and so many others that you see on your Instagram, and shout out to black-owned NWA, every time I read these stories, I am confronted with the usual obstacles wrought from the designs of white supremacy and systemic racism. But also, as I always remind students, by the incredible resilience of black people who thrive despite this. So when they, they print research in the Harvard Business Review that have headline like black women are more likely to start businesses than white men, we can say the tree don't fall too far from the root. We've been doing that. So thank you so very much. We have a panel that attests to this great history today, uh, and we're going to kick it off by asking our panelists who stands in this very story tradition of Black-owned businesses to tell us about the inspiration behind their business. And we're going to start over there with Mr. Kidd. You know, I was listening to you talk, and my dad started a janitorial business in 1961. I was born in 1962, and he was very, very successful as years went on. By the 80s, he had 100 and 150 people working for him. It was very successful. And I got, I got the taste of that watching my mom and my dad run their janitorial business, and that's when I realized I wanted to work for myself. And I got a scholarship to play here for the University of Arkansas, Orson and I, and I played professional football, but I knew right then 
in an early age that I wanted to work for myself because I saw my mom and dad do that, and they were very successful with their janitorial business. So as time went on and I stayed up here in northwest Arkansas, uh, since I've been up here in 1980, when I came up here, there weren't any food up here for blacks. There weren't any hair products. We had to go all the way to Little Rock to get our hair cut. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't anything up here for us to do besides go to school and play football. That was it. And when I got cut from playing with the Minnesota Vikings, I knew then I wanted to come back and started a, a, a black-owned business. And I started my janitorial business in 1988. And then in 2019, I started KDK's Chicken and Waffle. Amazing. And so, yeah, it's Amazing. been great. Though. Yeah. <laughs> an amazing story mr waltz so uh, it's kind of the same way um i've been cooking since i was like six years old my mom had a little of or what they used to call a juke joint and uh and uh, uh cooked soul food and um it was beer and and i'd sit up on a bucket and cut potatoes and onions and whatever else she didn't want to do so so I was just born into it, you know, uh, raised into it. And and I always said that I wouldn't cook for a living because I loved it so much. Right, right. Um, uh, but God had something else for us. And we um, um, and I didn't want it to take forever, you know, and and it started by accident. But I was like, man, I'm like 40 something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And how do you get the most uh, for your book is to beat somebody. Mm -hmm. And so I started going to all these, all these contests, gumbo contest, chili contest, soup contest, and I start beating people. <laughs> and that's how it, it uh, got to going. But I started knocking on the door to do it like a salesman or a politician. They say I talk like a politician. And... And people called me names and threw me out. And I never saw that side of Fayetteville until just then. But I adjusted. You know, mm -hmm. I always said that that you got to be in the framework that this is not everybody. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we started building, and it took everybody to do that. It wasn't just one color that helped me out, but... But I did learn something through that whole process, and I kept hearing that you didn't, uh, you didn't ask the right questions, and that's uh, held us a hostage for a long time. Is you didn't ask the right questions. So I think that's that's if we learn anything tonight, we need to learn how how a new business uh, model, a new entrepreneur, would say what are the right questions to ask. <laughs> I don't know how I follow these two <laughs> gentlemen. Um, I think I got my spirit from my parents, who were um, just a young black couple, newly married, living in inner city Kansas City. And they determined when they, when my mom got pregnant with me, that they were going to um, forge something better you know, break whatever cycle they may have felt like they were in. And they moved into a suburb of in, called Independence. 
of Kansas City, and this think in the mid '70s, first black family on in the neighborhood, and half the neighborhood moves away. And one thing that they instilled in us is that same spirit to be the first, and despite whatever obstacles or adversity you may face, you you do that. Put you're all into it, and so that's what they put into me and my sister that spirit to to n- never have any no in you. Don't ever give up. Don't let anybody tell you what you can't do and do what you want to do. Do what makes you feel complete. And so that's what I did. And that's the spirit I've always had. Yes, we've had to work half as hard or twice as hard to get Mm -hmm. half of Mm -hmm. the respect that other people had. But you know what? That's I was instilled in me. That was just a fact. Mm -hmm. Right. We we don't have an option. You know, mm-hmm. we don't have an option. We have to do that. And so exactly. I always was looking to, for ways to excel and to do those things that I felt like in my heart I wanted to do. And so here I am, 46 years later, in Arkansas, didn't see myself here. But 22 years now, I thought, well, I'm here. I'm going to make the best of it. Wow. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm following my creative passions, not only in the art realm, but also in the wine realm there's not enough representation in that industry that's always been an industry that's been put out of for black people that you can't have we don't own the land to do it we don't have the capital to do it to produce and it didn't break into such a um what's a wealthy industry and we're doing that now and we're being recognized for that now so as an artist as someone who's a wine steward this is something that no one I think about my parents. Don't tell them. Don't let nobody tell you what you can't do. You go do it, and you may have to work twice as hard. But that's what you. That's what we put in you. That's in your DNA to do that. And so here, here I am. Mr. David. Yes, uh, my name is Osses David. Thank you, and what a wonderful opportunity and to the panelists. Um, for me, um, it's really. I share a similar passion and inspiration from my parents. I'm originally from Nigeria, West Africa, and my mom was a trader, and I moved to the United States in 1986, and um, I went to school, mechanical engineering, and then ended up getting uh, some degree in information technology. So Walmart recruited me here in 2002, and when I came here, you know, I didn't see people, much people that looked like me, black people in Bentonville, Arkansas. I mean, it was hard. I remember one experience when I came for the interview. I said, um, I want to I, I Google the restaurant around here. I saw, I believe it was Ryan's restaurant, all you can eat. I said, surely you find black people in there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know you can eat restaurants. So I rushed down there and I looked around. There was not a single black face. I was frightened. I said, where, how, I mean, what decision am I able to, am I about to make? Is this place frightened of uh, black people? I went to the mall, I looked around for maybe about 30 minutes before I found the first black person I ran. It was probably I was me. with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> and she, I met this gentleman uh, and I asked him, I said, I've been looking for black people in West Arkansas. You have the first. He laughed and laughed and said that uh, Northwest Arkansas is a great place, that he's been here for a while and the community are so welcoming that I have nothing to be afraid of. 
So he came my fear and I jumped in, you know, to work for, I accepted the job to work for Walmart. But when I came, again, you know, finding ethnic food in the area was uh, a dream far-fetched. <laughs> so we have to drive to Dallas or Kansas City to find ethnic right. food. But, you know, my wife and I, instead of complaining, we decided to do something about it. You know, just uh, the entrepreneurial spirit reaching back, you know, to my mom. She was a trader, a petty trader from back home, and we reached out to that inspiration. So we founded a tropical market here in Rogers on Walnut Street next to Papa John's Pizza. And we decided to do something about it so that people from uh, the Caribbean or or Africa or other ethnic minority descent can come and find a place, a grocery store where they can get a taste of back home. So it's so inspiring to meet people having to find things from jollof rice, you know. <laughs> we won't get into the fight <laughs> on the ethnic food in the town. And uh, so it's really been a joy. I'm really pleased to, hear, to be here today to share more of my story. So that's, uh, that was my inspiration. Thank you. So I, I want to ask each of you, you know, can you, you said that it's that you knew you would have to work twice as hard. We heard the history from Korea of, of, of the obstacles that existed historically con, and in contemporary times. But I'm wondering, there had to be low moments. Keith, you were talking about when you're done, the career was done with the Vikings. I wonder why you come back to Northwest Arkansas. I was a year behind you in school. So <laughs> I had friends, black friends who couldn't hear their music, right? Mm -hmm. Before Spotify or anything oh, yeah. like that. Exactly. No culture. So why come back? And then Nate, when you see that part of Fayetteville that we wish didn't exist, and for people who look like me, we can be privileged to not know it exists. When, when you're down, what kept you going to try harder? I, I think back on, you know, it was either Cross It or Fayetteville. <laughs> Didn't want to go back to Cross It, that's for sure. But I could see Northwest Arkansas growing. You know, and it, I mean, now it's such a beautiful place. I mean, you see everybody coming from everywhere now. But this place is really growing. A lot of great things begin to happen, you know, and I love talking to, you know, everybody talking now because back then, you know, it was like, wow, you know, hope. And now there's a lot of hope for blacks here with black business. I mean, it's thriving and it's growing. Norfolk, Arkansas is a great, great, great place to be, man. And I love it here. That's what kept me here. Um, uh, so I was here uh, long before, since 91, uh, long before I started my business. Yeah, so, um, and, and, uh, and um, I just had roots here. Um, I married a woman from Fayetteville. And um, just the tenacity of, of some of that hate, um, uh, looking me in my face, I couldn't, I couldn't back down from that. Even though on the inside, it really just tears you apart that, that, uh, it's still going on. Um, but, but I knew that I had something to offer. Um, so, uh, my brother, uh, used to work at this place called Mama Dean's uh, and he fried, boy. uh, chicken. Yeah. A debatable if it's good as mine, but <laughs> but he fried chicken and 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 I wanted to bring uh, the barbecue, oh backyard barbecue, and with smoke 
as an ingredient and not a process. We heard all the time, oh, I smoked it for 14 hours and that kind of thing. Uh, but black folks ain't going to wait no 14 hours to eat. <laughs> so uh, we were, I just had a mission and everybody was saying, Nate, you can do it, you can do it. And it was it was kind of like I had to do it then, you know what I mean? And so uh, to your question, I think that's what, I think the people kept me going. And, uh, you know, you know, and they held me up. Yes, I didn't want to speak to that, to the people, right? So I felt like there wasn't a lane, there wasn't a place in Northwest Arkansas for me when I got here. And so that was always in the back of my mind to create that. And when I finally realized that I had the opportunity, I had the feeling, I had the wind behind my back, so to speak, to push me forward, I didn't have the money, to see it happen and so i i had to like take it upon myself because there wasn't any bank that was going to give it to me i wrote business plans i went in i tried to get loans and i tried to look for funding outside i thought maybe i could become a nonprofit to really do what i wanted to do and it wasn't there it just wasn't happening and so i said all right well here we go here's that where you talk about a low spot a low point what do you do uh, this this drive is in me to do this to create this space how do I do it? Okay, I'm going to just do it on my own. And so I did. I just started scrapping pennies together, started making a plan, and and it just kind of, it, it just came to be. You know, um, I got to a point with my house that, you know, like, okay, let's refinance, let's do some things here, let's get some capital on my own to make it happen. And, um, and I did. And then to have some people in the in the community that also saw the vision and wanted to see me succeed, but maybe they didn't have the money to give me, mm-hmm. they gave me that moral support <laughs> that, that mm-hmm. I needed to keep going. And I kept talking to other artists and other people, transplants, right? We talk about people moving. It's becoming, North Arkansas is becoming more diverse. So people were moving to the area looking for something like this. So I knew I had to do it. And so here I am. And so the point why I don't even call this by my name, I call it into view because it's all about bringing into view other people like me that when I was here 22 years ago, this didn't exist, but now it does. And so as people move in, they're going to find me and I'm going to be that person for them that I wanted so badly. That's my purpose. That's what I'm here for. That's my MO. That's, that's my agenda. And the low point is gone now. I've hit it, and now it's just now it's all up from here. Is in finding those people like fill the dreams. I've built it; they gonna come. And to be, yeah. I, I mean, to be honest, I have to say this: that you said two times as hard. It's really three times as hard because a black woman is extremely, extremely hard. I've worked oh with two black women, and and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, people don't want to give us money. I, could, I, I couldn't believe all the work uh, that they put in. I was I was working hard, but not that kind of work. Yeah. I mean, and they were just getting turned down. It was so heartbreaking. Yeah. And so and so I acknowledge my black women for that because it's easy to just uh, give up, like you oh, say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 yeah. And none of them are angry, but they say angry black women. But Boy, you better watch out. <laughs> <laughs> I would be pretty angry myself. Well, you know, what I mean? you know I, we I, talk I, about I'm, that. It's in the DNA. It's in us. 
you know, it's it's ancestral, right? I mean, we've had to overcome so Mm -hmm. much to Mm -hmm. never give up. We have to keep going, and so we do. Yes, I mean, for me, I mean, I I also hit a lot of low point. I remember one time reaching out to a local bank here to ask for a loan, you know, to grow my business, and I was asked every single question. Including my DNA. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just, just joking. They almost asked for my DNA. Your long form birth certificate. At, at one point, um, you know, it, it was just so frustrating. It became clear to me that the decisions had already been made not to fund me or give me the loan I was looking for. And um, but we reach out, you know, whether it's refinancing our own home mortgage and taking out equity just to keep us going, we did that. And just for me, the inspiration to keep going is just the need that we have to meet, you know, in the community is really, uh, it's really just so rewarding. I think there was a gentleman that moved in here from uh, North Dakota that came to the store last week and just coming and finding an ethnic food that he can identify with. I mean, he, you could see the joy that beamed from his face. And it made it easier for him to call Northwest Arkansas home. Mm-hmm. And this is the need. This is what I didn't feel when I first moved here and able to meet that need in other people or support uh, the African Student Organization in the in, in University of Arkansas whenever they have their event to be able to supply them the food, the Taste of Africa, and many other events that they put in or the exchange students that come into the area for them to say there's an ethnic store they can come to that meet the need of Afro and African Caribbean community to me that keeps us going and sometimes it feel like it's a charity walk when I look at the payroll sometimes I look at the bottom line after paying the rent and oh, paying yeah. salary yeah. and all the expenses you look at it and say, who am I in this business, you know? And, it's a but, labor of love. That's yes. what I call it, so, labor of love. So I just, uh, but, but we got to keep going because uh, people have made a sacrifice before us, and it's our turn to do the same, and it's, uh, it's really uh, that keep, keep us going. You know, what we all have to remember, though, is God is in control. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and a lot of times we forget about God. God has opened up so many doors for me. Mm-hmm. You know, God can open and close doors. Man may say one thing, but God, he's in control. Absolutely. And I truly, truly, truly believe that. You know, uh, the walk I've had in my life, I've seen God open up a ton of doors for me. And the old saying, if it's God is for you, who could be against you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and not only that, but you, you we treat people the way we want to be treated. Exactly. Right? You know. So you do unto others. Yeah. So, yeah. and that comes back. I really yeah. believe that. I think, mean, you know, people, you know, an incoming tide lifts all ships. If one of us is successful, we can all be yeah. successful. Absolutely. We, you know, we have to. Um, help each other and when we do good for others we have our we don't have our hand out like this you know we have both yeah. hands out to lift back and, mm-hmm. it, and it comes back to us yeah. you remember when ways. God he, he departed the Red Sea you know but it all goes back to God absolutely you know it really does I'm hearing about all these obstacles that you've encountered particularly I'm sure there are lots right I don't know maybe finding workers but I'm hearing a lot about the capital right and people tend to have these ideas like when they see uh black people like pull yourself up by your bootstraps but you guys have demonstrated that's what you all have done right so I want to ask you about to you know to go in a little bit about you know 
you've pulled yourself up by your bootstrap, you know, you've gotten creative with getting your capital and money to start your business. How are some of the ways that you've gone about doing that and that you might um, advise other um, upcoming Black-owned businesses to think about? That's what that's something to think about. <laughs> and I'm like, let me hear it. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I started my chicken and waffle, I went through a bad divorce. And I wanted to start this business, and I'm gonna show you how God works. Had a friend, just came into a million dollars. And we grew up together. And he lived in Little Rock, I lived up here, and I had been telling him I wanted to start, you know, chicken and waffle. He said, man, I got some money coming. He said, when I do, let's partner up. And I look back at it now, that was God. Wow. That was God. Wow. I didn't really have all the capital to get started. He had it. Wow. Wow. But that was God. Absolutely. They say black people don't support each other. It, the devil is a liar. Yeah, the devil is a liar. That's true. That's true. But yeah, but that was, you know, that was amazing, you know. And I look yeah. back now, you know, and God works in mysterious ways. Mm-hmm. He really does. Mm-hmm. So I try to, I'm not perfect, don't get me wrong. But I try to put God first in my life. You know, I really try to do that. You know, um, I'm going to piggyback off that. I mean, every time that I thought it was the end, it was just the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I just kept working. I was working at a foundry and and cooking on the side. And then I started uh, cooking on the side and then giving food away. Mm Mm-hmm. And and something always came, came up. Back. Mm-hmm. It would be people that would give me money, but they knew I wouldn't take it, uh, so they gave me a little job and overpaid me, you know. <laughs> and so God was really watching yeah. over me, and I didn't know why. And uh, that was when I was drinking, and uh, and I stopped drinking. I lost my wife, and uh, blessings uh, kept coming. You know, um, I sit up in bed one night. Was like, I don't, I honestly don't know what I'm gonna do now. You know, and and some women came and helped me out out of nowhere and and just uh, healed me from the inside with mental therapy and that kind of stuff. And and all that was God. What about God? All of it. And so and so I gotta say, I I didn't know where it was coming from, but it always came. And so I can't do anything else but give back. Well, I would definitely say that opportunities started to come my way that I didn't see coming. Um, A friend uh, who shoots a TV show here in Northwest Arkansas, people probably familiar with it, shout out Jenny Mars and Fixer Fabulous and HDTV. Um, That's a relationship that turned into something else when she reached out and said, hey, I want you to create some art for this. And then that turned into something. And then people started to recognize my artwork outside of the four walls, right? And I was still working out of my house, still thinking I wanted to have a space. And when I decided to take on doing an art exhibit that was reflections of the Black experience and tie in the 1619 Project, I had no idea where that was going to go, but I saw what it was doing for others that came in and experienced that exhibit and read that artwork. And then I said, I got to have a space of my own between getting this exposure from a friend 
an opportunity and then to see the need in the community, the labor of love that I went through to, to bring this exhibit to, to life. But I couldn't, like I mentioned before, get the capital, get the funding to, to find his place, everything. Real estate in Northwest Arkansas is expensive, y'all. We, I, I don't have to tell you. You all know. And so yes. this was a jewel dropped in my lap. This beautiful building that we sit in was dropped in my lap. Wow. Look it's at God. God. It's God. It's just here. It's it was given. They say here, it's perfect. You take it. It's kind of kind of rough. You know, massage it, and you're gonna okay. turn it into something. And here, and here we are. I could have never done this without that opportunity. So, and now I have to foster it. Now I have to make sure that I am and and definitely being this place for emerging artists to do what I've always visioned that would happen here in Northwest Arkansas for people. And and that's what I'm gonna do. Probably not going to be a millionaire doing it. That's all right. Hey. <laughs> but I'm going to be really happy. That's, that's the bottom doing line it. is being happy. Yeah. 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 yeah for, for me, it's, it's really, I second everybody because it's been just God. Uh, I've had to at some point cry to, you know, see myself crying to the bank. You know, we just uh, <laughs> empty. And, I, you know, I have um, an attitude, you know, that I had some time ago that whatever I took, and that's what I had to do as long as it's legal. So mine include whether driving Uber by night, you know, to raise extra funds, you know, just to meet payroll. People working for me, I have to do Uber or do Lyft or whatever it took. I just did it and to help keep the business going. And, uh, you know, I second everybody that God's hands, our help has been, the wind of God has been behind it all. Yeah. Thank you. That certainly speaks to the resilience that yes. we talked about earlier of African peoples, right? I'm curious, I'm asking this in a, in a gallery, the, the meshing that it takes of art and science for your business to be prosperous. I mean, how creative did you have to be in your earliest days? And, and what sort of creativity do you still need, you know, to make payroll, to, to bring customers in? You to just get have workers. To, you just have to stay out there and just keep working. I mean, day in and day out. Are you cooking the waffles, Mr. Kid? Well, sometimes, but not all the time. Because <laughs> I'm not a great, you know what? I'm not a great cook, but you know what? I know what good food is because I've been around good food all my life. Okay. And that's why I wanted to bring something to Northwest Arkansas. Yeah. And, you know, back in the 80s, I remember when I played ball here, my mom would bring food from my hometown. And everybody in the dorm would come to my room <laughs> and they would eat, you know. And it was, I mean, it was really, it was really funny because you would see those guys. Go, we didn't really have a lot of great food up here back in the 80s. We really didn't. And so now I look back on it and I was like, wow. You know, and that's what I wanted to do for Northwest Arkansas is bring some good food here, you know, because. And we still need some more good food here. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, and I remember I used to go all the way to Tulsa to uh, Piccadilly. I love Piccadilly's. Man, I used to go over to Tulsa, and I would have to pull on the side of the road because I was so full, you know, because I was eating everything over there. Yeah, and I'd have to pull over and sleep. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's true, you know. But uh, we still need some good food here in Northwest Arkansas, and it's coming, you know, it's coming, so. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, uh, starting off, you know, I, I was doing a lot of reading about marketing 
and and doing a lot of reading about selling just all kind of sales. I, I forgot who it was, but I listened to this guy. He said, if you hadn't got 100 no's in a week, you're not working hard enough. And, you know, he had me all riled up, you know, and I got them 100 no's. <laughs> and so I was so into uh, making the sale, you know, and then I started realizing it was about building relationships. Exactly. And that was oh, yes. like the light yes. bulb moment. That and and yeah. so I would just go out and had a plate and just talk with people. They'd eat while I talked to them. Yeah. And so I think that's the creativity part of it. And and just knowing of what was in the fiber of Northwest Arkansas. You know, and I never said I'm gonna cook. I never uh, marketed it to a person. I marketed it to, to like the area. I didn't say, well, I'm gonna go out there and cook black food or whatever. Um, and people will tell you this is just like it's just like food. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's it's a lot of a lot of different things. You know what I'm saying? Because my time in the army, uh, my mama, which is soul food, I cooked in so many different restaurants in Northwest Arkansas. So it's like a fusion of a lot of stuff. But but it was uh, it did take a lot of creativity and just just I'm going to do this. Well, marketing was my background. I worked for an ad agency for seven years. Um, as an art director, as a TV, radio, print, uh, web. And so I took that, and that was kind of the basis of trying to get myself out there. I, had to, I thought, i got to create a brand. It's me. And then I've got to market that. So I made myself my client, and, and, and that's what you do. But what Nate said about relationships is what it's all about. Absolutely. Is building relationships with people and then and being genuine. Don't be fake. Don't, as they say, fake the funk. Be yourself and be, you know, um, sincere. And that's going to shine through. And people are going to, you know, grab on. They're going to take a hold of that, the coattails, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and join you in what you're trying to do. Maybe they can't give you what they want, but they're going to be your, your rah-rah. And that's what it's been, you know, is this, those relationships and being creative in marketing and selling myself as a brand and, and keeping it simple so that people get it. You know, that, that it, and, it, and the brand never changes. Just like you know, you know, Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and Nike just do it. People gonna know Kenya, what she's about is real simple. She's about art and she's about making your art get out there too. So, you know, and, and then wine. People know me for wine too. <laughs> but, but especially that is helping others. And that's just, that's the brand. That's relationships and getting creative with the marketing and using social media. You know, and all the opportunities that are come, all the opportunities that come to me, I, I have no no in me. You want you want to profile me? Yes. You want to you want to tag me? Yes. <laughs> you want me to do a podcast? Yes. You know, it just you get it out there, and that's what you know. What's what we have to do? And 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 I, I wanted to go back real quick to the last thing about about um, capital and things like that is um, grants. I you know I have to say that. This is the first time that I actually got a grant. I got the Mid-America Arts Alliance Artist 360 grant. And so the story I was able to tell about what it was I'm trying to do here, they got it. But I think the thing that they, I hope, stuck with that panel was that I was going to do it with or without them. Mm -hmm. Right? You can give me this money and 
and I'm going to do good things with it, or you cannot give me the money and I'm still going to do good things. And so again, being that part of my brand, hopefully those people, those panelists will remember me as for being that person to, you know, to, to take the creative marketing route and really tell my story honestly. Yeah, I, I, I second that. Uh, social media has really helped. Uh, as you all know, business is about exposure and able to tell your story and bring in, uh, you know, the people. And for us, you know, we, we reach out to whether it's Fort Smith or from um, even Missouri, people come across to find us. So leveraging Instagram and Facebook, WhatsApp or, you know, um, any, any other social media form, you know, have really, really helped. And having that good customer service that when people walk in and, and, and they're able to just relate and feel at home. And because uh, for people to pass over, you know, all the big groceries chain and come up, you know, buy something, you have to have that unique uh, differentiation. And just that people relationship and good customer service has made a difference for us. Yeah. Thank you. I've heard you all reference uh, obstacles like uh, the capital and black tax, right? Working twice as hard to get half the amount. Right. Uh, and uh, I know from, you know, trying to put this panel together, you know, some of the, the panelists, I can't come. I have to stay and do the work because it's a one man show. Right. Uh, you know, maybe finding employees. Uh, do you all feel that? pressure, especially as uh, black people, especially for those of you in food, right? Everybody is like, yeah, it's going to be fire. <laughs> right? <laughs> so is there anxiety around that, uh, you know, given the black tax and you have to work twice as hard to be like, ah, you know, how do you maintain, um, you know, your, your product and the quality and the standard and, you know, all of that on a, on a regular daily basis? I do a lot of praying. <laughs> Seriously, I do a lot of praying. Uh, and you have to, you know, because you can hire somebody today and they'll quit late on that day, you know. And, and, and you can go through a chain of people, you know, just chain of people. But you got to stay true to who you are, you know, and just stay you, you know. And uh, you just have to keep working and keep working and it'll come, you know. It just takes time. Nothing is... Uh, comes overnight, you know, worth having. So you just got to keep working and keep working and keep working and just keep going, you know, because people going to come and go. But you own that business, so you got to stay there with that business if you want it. I mean, it's your business. And Are so, you leveraging uh, family members to work for the business? Uh, I, not, I, too, not too much, you know. Okay. I, I don't like to get family too much involved because... And, 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 and the reason is because... Family want to tell you what to do. And you know, you know, I don't want to hear that from my family. So you know what? I'm going to keep them over here. You know, I mean, that's for me personally. So I try to do without my family. You know, I may get their advice here and there, but I, I pretty much keep my family out of it. Yeah. I would agree. That's a terrible policy. Yeah. That's yeah. a terrible policy because I don't know about anybody else, but when it comes to my business, I turn into a real butthole when it's not right. <laughs> you know, and you're not going to like me much. Um, so I think my uh, biggest anxiety is to try to get people that want to do it the way I would do it. Not necessarily the way I do it with the same passion. 
and conviction mm-hmm. as I would do. Because it's not their business. Right, right. And you, it's hard to get yeah. people to uh, care as much about your baby as you do. Mm-hmm. And it was so hard for me to go to one event and somebody else doing another event. I couldn't concentrate. I was wondering what was going on. Yeah. And it's still and, hard. Yeah. So, I mean, I was, you know, just back to the food people, you know how uh, how we say as black people, like you guys have to season this and marinate and whatnot. Oh, yeah. And we don't we don't measure seasoning. We, no, just, we just pour until yeah, the ancestors yeah. tell That's us to the stop. That's the way it was back in the day, you know? <laughs> yeah. you know. And I used to see my mom do that. You know, she wouldn't measure nothing. It was just, I said, mom, what are you doing? She just putting this here and there. But boy, I'm going to tell you what, at the end, it was good, though. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was real good. Still the same way. You know, I do that today. You know, we do that with our, with our marinade and what we use and stuff. We don't, I mean, you know, we just, we just go back to that's the way it is, you know, but it's good. You put the seasoning on till the ancestors tell you to stop. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, I get triggered when people on social media ask me, how much do you put in that? Because I do videos and stuff and I'm adding stuff. Yeah. Up and I, I said, don't ask me that. I don't know. I don't know. I just put it in there until I feel right. And the lady that works for me, yeah. then I cut you off. She's the same way. I said, Kathy, how much are you putting in there? I don't know. Don't ask me. And she just <laughs> in there. Yeah. You know, but that's just the way it is. I I don't have that issue. Uh, well, I mean, that's how I cook, though, for real. Yeah. Yeah, so that's how yeah. I was raised. <laughs> Mama didn't management. No. She just did it, right? Yeah. That's what we learned. But to, as far as finding employees, I don't have that same um, issue. However, I will say that I, I used to have on my website that I was a jack of all trades, working on mastering at least one. <laughs> so that kind of tells you that I have, do a lot on my own. Like for instance, this exhibit is, you know, all of the little details, I did that. Like right? wow. I got the paper, I printed it, I, I, I cut them out, I put them up, I, I tried to edit them, I proofread them. You know, all these, the art, uh, if they didn't have hardware on there, I put it on there. This exhibit has probably close to a hundred pieces of artwork. Not just here, but also at the experimental house. There's a few pieces down at Java Dudes. You know, I've got it spread out, wow. and then all of the all the posters. I did all that. I I, I use my background in layout in in print collateral to do those. I have the software to do it. I did it on my Mac computer. I printed them out on my laser printer. So it's a lot of doing it myself. Right. That's like invaluable. I don't know who you try to pay somebody to do that. I do have interns. I do use my niece. She's Don Tice. Shout out Don Tice's School of Innovation, you know, allowing her to be an intern and to work under me and learn some of this. The, the, the business part of having a gallery and what all goes into it. It's not all just being able to paint. I, I can't remember the last time I finished a painting was probably two months ago. Right. It's been about the business and growing that and, mm. and making it what you see here. And then the the part of it where the employees, besides, you know, using Kalia as an intern, is really finding the artists who want to come on, who wants to hitch to this wagon and helping them to see to trust me within this process is because they're new, some of them and some of them are more established artists, but to trust me in the process of allowing me to care for that baby, that piece of artwork, that story, that thing that they're trying to get out there. 
is um so that's you know that's my my employee situation is a little bit different but it still has its own, it has its challenges sound like you don't sleep mm-hmm. you, yeah. you can you tell <laughs> no <laughs> yeah for me I, I will say that as far as employee and staff is concerned we're really blessed to have a small team i have uh, three ladies that work for us and they have been there since uh, we started in 2012 and uh, uh, they're just like family except you know for obviously sick days or you know like recently we have snow and they can't drive so i have to make it <laughs> to the office and work on my own but uh, we, we've really been blessed uh, our biggest challenge is really um you know, because this is still a, a small community for ethnic people, how do we break into other ethnic group and attract the larger, you know, population to come and, and be inquisitive enough to come and taste or even support us so so that we can grow. Business is about scale, it's about volume. And if if we're able to fix that, I think uh, you know, we can we can take our business to a new height. So, Mr. David, I want to push on that point. Um, did you always, uh, was the idea always to have African and Caribbean food together? I always see that in African stores, um, you know, African and Caribbean food alongside. Or was that that you added later on? Oh, that was, that was the idea originally, including Mediterraneans and regional to North African and the, the Middle East. So, and even to attract the Indian community, I believe they are one of the, the second largest population now in Bentonville. Mm-hmm. And um, so, but obviously people uh, stick to their tribe, <laughs> but uh, we found out that uh, people of African and Afri- uh, uh, Afro-Caribbean support us more and African-Americans. So that have been the demographic we've catered to the most. I've just got one last question for me, and it's, you know, you and I were up here, you were a freshman in 1980, I was a freshman in 1981, Northwest Arkansas was much different. You had a better idea of how the growth would go than I did. You had to go to several different places before you saw someone that looked like you. Do you think about what you're doing now, whether it's a different voice, a food that someone from North Dakota couldn't find, whether it's food or culture that people were disconnected from, and you're making it more here? how that's making this area better still. It just becomes this ripple effect. And maybe a young man who comes up to Fayetteville or a young woman doesn't want to leave it all because there's more here. It's a, I mean, it's, it's like day and night. You know, I look back now, uh, and I didn't really know later on that I, this would be my home. And I love Northwest Arkansas. I mean, I love it here. This is where I want to die. You know, just how much I love Northwest Arkansas. You know, and Orson and I, like I said, we came up here together, and Orson left Little Rock. And, you know, we talk about that, and he said, Keith, you know, I'm, I'm moving up here. He said, this is home for me. And I look at him, I'm thinking, man, you know, for him to leave Little Rock, that speaks volume. You know, he really loved Northwest Arkansas. And we both came up here. We was we were babies in 1980, man. I mean, we were asked, we we just graduated from high school, and then you know Orson left, and I I left and came back. And then about three four years ago, Orson came. He said, "Man, I'm he said I'm living here in Northwest Arkansas." I said, "I'm selling my house. I'm moving here." I'm thinking, "Wow, yeah, it's a beautiful place here, man. Just love it." I would say, you know, uh, like Fayetteville, Northwest Arkansas has always had. Uh, components of of being together, 
yeah, there was racism, but there was also a lot of places. I mean, it's not one of those places where it's, it, you know, it's the black community or white community. Right, right, right. And, and I think, I, you, know, you, you know, I just tried to uh, draw a spotlight to that. Um, I'll get groups together and just uh, have them talk about things that really uh, matter that need to be talked about. And I think if we can get those kind of uh, uh, spaces that that uh, will be a lot better. And that's why I go from Fayetteville to North, uh, uh, Bentonville and anywhere I can travel uh, because everywhere is different. Yeah, it is. I mean, Bentonville is nothing like Fayetteville. Rogers is nothing like Fayetteville. People don't even come to Bentonville or Fayetteville. You <laughs> no. know, and it's crazy. I mean, it's it's like, you know, we we got the KDKs, and I said, you heard the KDKs? No, I live in Bentonville. We don't even leave Bentonville. You know? <laughs> yeah. They don't leave Bentonville. And that's right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's why I got the moniker of food activist, because I just believe that uh, food can be a tool to or bring people uh, together. And it may seem a little corny and stuff, but it works. It works. People love good food. I don't care where you go. Yeah, you're going to talk. Listen, people Mm -hmm. love good food. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, I used to go all the way to Tulsa, Oklahoma, when we didn't have food. Or I would go all the way to Little Rock, you know, because I love good food. Exactly. You know, food and wine, the the two married together, that's like my, that's everything. It just makes your heart happy. But... I think coming here in 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 '99 there was nothing, wow. and I decided I was going to make it. I I've made Northwest Arkansas my home. This this spot wasn't here before, and now it is. And now when other people come and they're looking for this type of experience, it's here. Why would you need to go anywhere else? When I um when I got divorced in in 2014, my parents still lived in Kansas City, and my mom tried to get me to move back home, and I'm like, ooh, I don't think so. I love Kansas City, but I this is home. This is home. Right. Yeah, I Although know. I still tell people I'm from Kansas City. Is it? Yeah, but this <laughs> home though. But this is home, and, yeah. and even now that yeah, me and my current husband, and he's really close to retirement, and we've talked about what do we want to do when you retire, you know? And he's like, oh, I want to, because he's in Florida. And he's like, I want to get a spot in Florida. Would be some, you know, snowbirds. I'm like, what are we gonna do with the house? I said, like, I'm not selling my house. I like my house. And he's like, you're like, I like this house too. So we're not going anywhere. Now we may spend a few months out of the year, but this is home. I've created this space and now I have to stay for others and not even for myself. Because people, if you say you leaving or somebody say they leaving, I mean, we get mad at them. (laughs) Yeah, you can't leave. Like, why? We just now got this together. Where are you going? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm butthurt about it. Why are you leaving? You know, I, 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 I hear a lot of people when they come here, man, I don't like Northwest Arkansas. But when it's time for them to leave, I don't want to leave. <laughs> exactly. And I think that the, together we're creating this space yeah. where, you know, we, Rogers, we talk about the good life. Right. That's their that's their phrase. It's the good life. It is now because we're making it that we've we have caused the we have we're 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 raising the culture bar and we're becoming more inclusive and and we're inviting people. This is, you know, even more so. I don't care. It's just a good area. I mean, that's a really good, great question, because like I said, 2002, when I came here, nothing like that existed and able to be part of this uh, group that will make the younger ones that are coming after us to want to make this home 
you know, it's really great. I have my daughter with me today. She went to school in L.A. and wanted to live over there, but uh, we're glad that she decided to come back to Northwest Arkansas. And I'm from ATL, and when I go back to Atlanta to go visit, just the traffic alone, I can't wait to come back here because 15 minutes, you 30 minutes mass, you're anywhere you want to be in Northwest Arkansas, and, and just the quality of life here is great. And able to be a part of a welcoming, you know, uh, business that make it feel home to other people that are coming is really great. And I would add to some of the people who are in the community that are that feel frightened. You know, I think that that fear breeds yeah, uh, very people. ugly mm-hmm. actions on some people mm-hmm. that feel frightened by the fact that we're doing this. I would say, you know, to them, don't be scared. You know, don't be scared. Don't be scared. You know, you know, let's, <laughs> you know, be part of it. Right. You know, this is a beautiful thing to have this exchange. Be, you know, be part of that and um, and just broaden your horizons. It's gonna be all right. Come and grow with us. Yeah. Uh, so, just um, as a final um, point of um, before we leave, thinking about Black History Month and. You know, how so much about this is about community. And I've heard you all talk about making community here in Northwest Arkansas. So I want to ask you all in terms as a a business community now, (laughs) as I see you guys here, uh, as a business community, are there plans on the way to to come together or is there a, a black business league or um, are there? What would you like to see for the future for Northwest Arkansas Black businesses in the spirit of Black History Month? I'd like to see more Black businesses in Northwest Arkansas um, because this area is really growing. Uh, you know, there's a little more. It's, it's a lot to do here now. You know, before then, it wasn't a lot to do now. And I noticed they're getting. The, you know, they're getting the more. I remember when uh, about two or three years ago when they was having the. Uh, what was that called when they was bringing all the black artists here in, in Rogers? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, yes. I mean, I, I really love yeah. that. You know, the road to essence. Oh, yeah. man, I wish they would go back to doing that because we had Maxwell. And I'm thinking, man, Maxwell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we never had no, I mean, you know. Before that, that was, do you remember when Shaka Khan came when Walmart brought in their yes, diversity thing? Yeah. Yes. I mean, where, where, yes. how come she ain't been back? You know, and I tell people, I say, man, you know, we, Northwest Arkansas, we got, uh, you know, we got Maxwell, we got all these art, and they look at me like, Northwest Arkansas. We had Mary yeah. J. Blige. Mary J. Blige. I know. <laughs> yeah, look, I was there. I was there. I was there, too. That was <laughs> the first you know, time I, I, I saw um, a crowd of black people. I wanted to lock them in that yeah. place and not let them move. Yeah. You know, because when I went there, I looked around, I was like, wow. <laughs> you know, because I've been here since 1980. Never saw that. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. wow, look at all this. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, where are they coming from? <laughs> I was like, where do y'all live? I yeah. want to I wanna come. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I want to see a little bit more than that, you know. Yeah. But yeah, um, right. I don't want to get to the point where, you know, with all the violence and stuff like that, you know, I love it the way it is right now, you know, because you can go and not have to worry about all the crime and stuff. And I love that, you know. I want to see more crossover. I need to see Fayetteville come to Rogers. Yes. That's why I was like, hey, KUF is coming to Rogers. Yes. <laughs> I had the Fayetteville Rotary in here on Sunday. I was like, yes, love to see it. So I think um, 
I appreciate with, uh, what Jay, uh, Jasmine Hudson is doing at black owned NWA, NWA. Yeah. you know, and she, they're doing the, um, they've got an expo coming up, I believe at the end of February. And so we get, uh, yeah, February 26th, February 26th. So that's happening. And then we've got black action collective that's doing things. And so I think it's starting to happen. Right. It's, it's, it, it, though things are, things are coming together and we're, we're starting to form a more cohesive group, whereas before maybe we were a little disjointed. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think it's we're we're starting to come together, and it's um, it feels good. I think for me, that. I would, you know, I would like to see um, more foundational structure, um, uh, the teaching of how to build a business, because uh, small businesses, uh, to me. Uh, you know, Lord's dream. There are dreams, right? You know, um, and I'd like to see uh, that kind of thing show us how to do things, uh, because everybody's not going to say it's how you do this, how did you do that? Uh, just uh, give him, uh, give them the information because during uh, COVID, you know, and all the money that was passing around out. And a lot of us didn't know how to go and get that money, and 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 they weren't raising their hand and say, "I'll tell you how to get it." You know, so um, uh, so if we can get some structure and a tunnels to where we could get more information and share more information. That's great. Yeah. That's a good point. Because there's no shortage of ideas. That's right. Right. So that we have to build the infrastructure. Yes. Yes. You're right. Um, you know, for me, I just want to thank NPRO uh, for this opportunity. This is really part of, you know, the missing pieces to gain exposure that, you know, we exist, that businesses like this exist in the area. So if other media outlets, you know, can, you know, emulate uh, NW, NPR, I'm sorry, and, and promote, you know, just to let people know that uh, black-owned businesses exist here because, uh you know, none of us sometimes really know how to, um, you know, how to reach or get what you're really looking for without the, the product media outlet, you know, putting a spotlight on it. Maybe not just to the ethnic people, but other people in the area to say, hey, by the way, if you're looking, you know, somebody visited our store yesterday and they've been to Africa. I don't know how, I don't remember how they found us, but they were just so excited. But these are Caucasians that, They've been to North Africa and able to just come and, you know, identify with food that they've tasted overseas and see that they can find it locally here. I mean, they were just beaming with light. So, but if there's an outlet that can shine more light, you know, like NPRO is doing now to our businesses, I think that would be a great great asset to us. Absolutely. So more publicity from the media houses and especially, you know, you're in the shadows of the big businesses here. So it needs to be amplified and emphasized. So, but we certainly have enjoyed having you all. Uh, This has been a fascinating conversation and I hope it enlightens the community. And uh, can you tell uh, the listeners where to find you? I'm at 989 uh, Razorback Road in favor, down from Bomb Stadium, KDK's Chicken and Waffle. Uh, so I'm primarily uh, a caterer. So um, I have uh, a kitchen at Mount Sequoia that I cook out of, but but it's uh, it's ordering customized food. Uh, uh, um, and we just started a vegetarian 
menu. Uh, it's called a life menu. Uh, uh, my friend uh, Stacy Harper that got breast cancer, and we kind of uh, built something around what she could eat, and and um, it's a pretty good uh, menu. So uh, it's plant based. So what's the number? Huh? What's the number, or how do we find you uh, on social 479 secondhand smoke, and we do uh, have a nonprofit where we um, uh, cook food, uh, hot meals for underserved communities, and uh, and um, called and, Second Helping. Yep, Second Helping, and that's Second Helping NWA uh, dot com. Go in there and and give what you can. Awesome. Uh, so uh, we're right, right where we're at is 300 North Second Street, downtown Rogers. I'm in Suite A. And suite B is Studio 300. I think some people know that, but I'm interview here. And then, of course, you find me on my website, KenyaChristian.com. The gallery website's interviewgallery.com. I'm on Instagram by my name, and also the Artful Psalm is mostly about wine so kind of follow my wine travels and what I'm drinking and kind of learning that process there and yeah 4793663182 is my phone number I think everybody should know that by now write it down um text me <laughs> but that's how you find me yeah well tropical market we are here in uh, Rogers 2810 West Walnut Street and if you know where Papa John's Pizza is we're just next door to Papa John's Pizza in a popular strip mall there. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. This has been, Karee, thank you. Matthew Moore, thank you. Thank you all for being here. This is going to live on, this, this conversation. Absolutely. A special thanks to our guest, Keith Kidd of KDK's Chicken and Waffles, Nate Walls of Secondhand Smoke Barbecue, Kenya Christian of Into View Gallery and Studio, who also hosted our conversation, and Osis David of Tropical Market. Thanks to Kyle Kellums for assistance in moderating the conversation. Our host is Karee Banton. Undisciplined was produced by me, Matthew Moore. You can subscribe to Undisciplined to hear more excellent conversations just like this one in all the usual spots. NPR One, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you know the drill. And if you really enjoyed this conversation, share it with a friend. Thanks for listening. 